Well, hello and welcome to The Kitchen Table with Arctic Eric. This is another one of those audio releases uh, for my Monday podcasts uh, where I'm looking at different words. Uh, We last time looked uh, a number of times at the word convinced, and now we're going to look at the word adoption. The title of this series, this is part one of Who Adopted Whom? Hmm, interesting. It's also available on YouTube, and the link will be included in the episode information with this podcast. God bless you today. Thank you for joining me once again for the Monday release of Words in Scripture Together. May the Holy Spirit enlighten us and encourage us through Scripture today by His power. God bless. Well, welcome back to my office. It's good to be here again, and uh, thank you for taking the time to watch this. These are also being uh, uploaded to not just Facebook, but YouTube, and the audio portion on my podcast. So, just want to share encouragement with people through different medium. Anyway, I'm going to look at a different word, a new word. It appears five times in the New Testament in the King James Version, and the word is adoption. The other day I was in uh, the shower, and uh, wow, the word adopt and adoption, the words came to mind, adopt and adoption. So I thought we would just look at them and see where this might go. Let's start with the dictionary definition of the word adopt. It's a verb. We're looking at the word adopt. The one that we most often think of is to take by choice into a relationship, especially to voluntarily take a child of other parents as one's own child. So that's definition one of four. We're going to look at two of the four. The second one is to take up and practice or use to take up and practice or use. And let's look at some synonyms, some expansion on this idea of adopt. It can include to embrace or espouse, meaning to take an opinion, a policy, or practice something as one's own. Adopt implies accepting something created by another or foreign to one's nature. Embrace implies a ready or happy acceptance. Espouse adds an implication of close attachment to a cause and a sharing of its fortunes. The title of this discussion here in the office, or this chat, this monologue, is who has adopted whom? Yep. Who has adopted whom? Why would I say that? Well, so many people are struggling to make this Christianity that they espouse, that they embrace, that they adopt, work. They may have in their mind, in their mind's eye, in their intellect, 
they may have embraced Christianity, Christian values, Christian precepts, Christian principles, Christian theology, Christian, I mean, philosophy. They're adopting it as their own. They're embracing it. They're espousing it. They're declaring it. They're doing their best to live it and give it. But it just doesn't have the fullness of life. They hear about the life. And they, they embrace the scriptures about the life. They even espouse them. They're attached to it. But something seems to be missing. And so the thought is, have they adopted God? When in fact, I think we're going to see in these verses that God wants to adopt us. Not just us adopt or embrace the idea that he wants to adopt us, but that we actually are adopted. And how do we come into a relationship with God? Well, of course, it's based on Scripture. It, quote, passes through our eyes if we read it in Scripture, or our ears if we hear the good news preached. But it's also an act of our will to say yes to it, to capitulate to it, and then to be born again to have the very Spirit of God come in and dwell in us. So it's more than uh, us adopting God, because that doesn't work. We need to be adopted by God. So let's look at the first of these five verses in the New Testament, King James Version, where the word adoption appears. This is part one of who has adopted whom. Starting at verse 12 of Romans chapter 8. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors, not to the flesh, not to the old nature, not to our carnal mind. We're not to live according to the flesh, our old nature, our carnal mind, the unrenewed life. No, no, the unrenewed mind, no. Because if you live according to this, to the flesh, to the old nature, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of by the Spirit, not by our own effort and our own strength and our own power, our own goodness, but if by the Spirit, that means the Spirit needs to be involved, by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, if through that person these deeds are put to death, we will live. I mean, that's a watershed. It's about the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, taught by the Spirit of God, comforted by the Spirit of God, truth revealed to them by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We're to be more than carriers of Christ on the inside, carriers of the Spirit of Christ and the new life, 
No, those things, those new things, that spirit is to carry us and lead us and empower us so that we'll not live by the flesh. So that we'll see the deeds of the flesh crushed in our life because we're, we are debtors. We've been bought by God through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So we have a debt. What is that debt? To let God be God in our lives, to allow him by his spirit to rule and reign in our lives. We'll come back to that. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You did not. When Listen, when you were born again, you did not receive uh, the spirit of bondage to fear anything. But you received the spirit of adoption. You received, when you were born again, the spirit of adoption. And through that spirit of adoption, you can cry out, Abba, Father, from deep within your being. It's a no-doubt deal. I learned in the years I was pastoring that it was not my job to convince someone they were a Christian nor convince them that they weren't. It's the job of the person of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin. And the spirit of adoption will convince us that God is our Father. So it's okay to question. You say, well, Eric, you know, I say the Lord's Prayer, and I've heard it said where we declare our Father in heaven, but I, I really, I, I'm not sure. Well, of course, he's the Father creator. You're created in his image and likeness. So in that case, he's the Father God creator. But we're talking about Abba Father, my spiritual father, my born-again father through faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're not sure, go to Scripture yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what does God require to be saved? And have you done what God requires? We know and we've heard we're saved by grace through faith and not by works. But adopting that Bible verse, embracing that Bible verse, is not the same as the reality of it embracing us, adopting us, convincing us. And that's what the spirit of adoption wants to do. Goes on to say in verse 16, the spirit himself... Uh, bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God, that we are children of God. That's what the Holy Spirit himself does. He bears witness with our spirit. You know, I, I do talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, that third member of the Trinity, because he is so incredibly important. If we don't know who he is, where he lives, how he wants to do things his way and allow him to do it, we're going to find ourselves trying to do things out of our own strength where God never wanted us to do. We're going to try to convince ourselves of things that we, we need God's help to convince us of. 
So we need to know the Holy Spirit himself because he bears witness with our spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. We're not just a body and a soul. Like God, three persons, we have three parts. And I'm still working on the outline to talk about spirit, soul, and body. So important we understand. Look again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, not just with our thoughts and our mind, not just with our creeds, not just with our philosophies and theologies in our mind, but in our spirit that we're children. Listen, I've said before and I'll say again, I have never doubted from the moment Christ came into my life When I was home alone there at my apartment in Norcross, Georgia, July 77, I've never doubted for an instant that I'm a child of the Most High God. I don't doubt it any more than I doubt I was born in 1951 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I believe God wants that for all of us. I believe he wants to do that for us. But it requires not that we adopt God and embrace God in that way, but that we are adopted by God, embraced, held on to, encouraged, strengthened, and that his spirit bears witness we're children of God. And then it goes on to say, and if children, you know, it's hard to go further if you don't know you're a child. But when it says if children, then you're heirs inheritors of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Sure, we want to embrace that idea and we want to adopt that idea, but what we need is for these scriptures to take a hold of us and become genuine and real to us, and that's a spirit-to-spirit reality. Our minds are renewed, our minds are transformed, Because they definitely exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, the the portions of our mind that have not been renewed and transformed by God's Spirit are enmity. They're at war with Him. But God desires that through the Word that these strongholds in our mind be destroyed and that faith rise up on the inside of us. On the inside of us the faithful one on the inside of us. You know, there's a lot. I'm not going to go into too much, but there's so much about warfare. And the thing I think that's as important as any other when it comes to warfare is to realize the battle is in your head. And the battle is the Lord. And the victory is ours as we allow the Spirit of God to work in us in accordance with the Word of God as we subject ourselves to Scripture in an expectation that God is able to change us, to transform us, to renew us, to expand His kingdom in us. I like when we pray the Lord's Prayer and say, Let your kingdom come in earth. Not just on earth, but in earth. And what are we? Well, we're earthen vessels. Woohoo! Let your rule and your reign, let your kingdom come inside these earthen vessels. 
if indeed we suffer with him, that we might be glorified together. Listen, there is a suffering, but it might not be exactly what you think. When you begin to say, God, let your will be done, not as a fatalist, but as a faith-filled person, as Scripture fills you with faith, showing you what God wants to do, what God wants to change in you, what God wants you to experience that is not from yourself, that is not from your flesh, from your old nature, from your own thoughts and desires. These things that wage war with God. But God is the victor. He's the conqueror. And as we capitulate continually to Scripture under the mighty loving hand of God, His transforming power will not only remove those things that are hindering our relationship, but they'll be replaced with a joy for more. To know all the more. Abba, Father, you're the King Christ. Let your kingdom, let your rule, let your reign come into my life. Empower me to obey you, submit to you, to be loyal to you alone. And not to trust in horses or chariots. That's me, myself, and I, ourselves. Not to be trusting in creeds and organizations and confessions and professions, be they good or not. We trust in the Lord. Our loyalty is in the Lord. And we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we can cry out, Abba, Father. Well, okay, that's it. Uh, first part, we'll see if it goes, yeah, two, three, four, five. There are five verses. As always, thanks for giving me a couple of minutes with you here in the office. The Lord bless you today. Good day.